Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Juicy Bits. If you're hearing a little bit of laughter starting there, it's because uh, things are already kicking off with our guest today, who is Myrna Valerio, the one and only. And if you don't know who she is, you need to go Google right now before you even listen to the rest of the podcast. Now's the time to Google who this amazing human being is. Um, Myrna, I'm so pumped to have you on Juicy Bits today. Welcome. Well, Jen, thank you for having me. <laughs> that's, my, uh, that's my white people voice. Um, <laughs> so that's how this podcast is going to go. Um, so <laughs> hi, everybody. Um, it's Myrna. Um, and I am currently in Vermont where I live. Um, I just spent a glorious week in Hawaii um, and I'm feeling really good. And uh, yeah, so who am I? I am a 45 year old black woman who is fat, who does sports. Um, and uh, I have a 17 year old son who is going on 55. Um, I, he really literally is an old man. And um, I'm an author of the best-selling memoir, A Beautiful Work in Progress. I am a 2018 National Ge Geographic Adventure of the Year. Uh, I'm a former teacher of 18 years. Uh, I am a, I'm still a writer, obviously. I'm an anti-racism educator. And uh, I'm also a singer. I'm a classically trained singer and pianist. Okay, I, I'm sure I left out a lot of things. <laughs> I didn't know that last part. Did you not? No. Um, yes, I am. Uh, I am a performing artist. Uh, well, I don't actually perform a whole lot anymore. I mean, unless you consider my motivational speaking and stuff um, to be that. But yeah, I'm a. I'm a singer. Um, I was, you know, trained uh, first at Juilliard pre-college, not not the undergrad, pre-college when I lived in New York. I'm born and raised in New York. And, um, and then I went to Oberlin Conservatory of Music where I have a degree in vocal performance. And I also went to college where I have another degree in Spanish. So, um, so yeah, I taught music, Spanish, and then I uh, did a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work at the end of my teaching career. Okay, let's get into this. So I first came to know you 
through your presence in the outdoor industry, um, just see, just seeing you, like, I don't know, like you were on Instagram. I saw your picture on the Merrill booth. Um, you were just sort of there. And I was like, who is this person? Because one of the things that fascinates me is people who run. So I only run when things chase me. I do not understand running as something that brings you joy. I think it is painful. It hurts my body. It hurts my brain. So I I first came to know you as a ultra marathon runner and anyone. I'm like, how do you do that? So I just um, like, how did you get your start as a, as a runner? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so funny that like uh, it seemed like all of a sudden my photo was everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like at OR, yeah. at you know the running conferences and stuff, um, you know via REI and mm-hmm. LOB and stuff. And so, yeah, I actually a lot of people think that I started running uh, in adulthood, but I was an athlete in high school where I played field hockey and lacrosse. And the first day of field hockey practice or, or tryouts, uh, I'd never, ever been on a team. I, you know, we were active as kids, but, you know, I, I'd never played an organized sport because um, that wasn't just, a, it wasn't a part of our, the things that we prioritize as a poor family, right? And um, so, so I get to this fancy boarding school the first day, it's like 90 degrees. I'm wearing black tights and kids. Keds. And no sports bra. I didn't even know what those were. Mm-hmm. Kids with like no thread on the bottom. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on like a moss, like a moist, dewy. That's a better word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, I you know, I look, I look over at the soccer people. They're running ten loops of the field. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I didn't want to be inside. I didn't want to play volleyball. Uh, I didn't want to do community service. I didn't want to do anything else that was inside. And so field hockey was the only thing that was left. I said, well, you know what? Hey, let's try this. So I get there. And the first thing we do is run six loops of the field. You know, and my kids, I'm slipping around. I don't know what I'm doing. It's I'm hurting. Um, and that was a warm up. That was a warm up. And it was about a mile. Right. And I didn't have any sort of reference point for like how it felt to run a mile. And so, but that was it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was the beginning of my reference point. And then, you know, we warmed up, we did some getting to know you games. And then after that, we had to do a timed mile. And I'm like, wait, we just ran, we just ran a mile. So, so why are we doing it again? And so we did it again. It was very painful. It was two loops around this very hilly campus. And, uh, and then we had two and a half hours of practice after that. I was, oh, oh, and in that practice, I didn't tell you about the practice, you know, we're, uh, we're running up and down the field and, you know, with sticks and a, and a mouth guard and, a, and balls and, you know, shin guards and all that stuff. And uh, doing all these drills, the very first day we do the thing that used to be called suicide drills. I mm-hmm. think they're called line drills now. We do the, uh, what used to be called an Indian run. And I think it's still called an Indian run, which is awful, but it's that thing where you like sprint to the front and then a back person sprints to the front and you, you know, do the field many times. Um, I hope there's a better name for that. Um, Mm. And then then we, you know, then we're doing all the drills and stuff like that. And I am done (laughs) after, at this point it's like three hours, right? I'm done. Uh, But during that, during that, um, practice, the coach runs up to me while we're doing one of these line drills. And I'm like, oh, no, she's going to say, you're too slow. Um, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you can't be on a team. 
So I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready for her to say that because I was like, I was done. Yeah. <laughs> so she comes up to me. And she's like, hey, you know, like all bobbing and happy and whatnot in her blonde hair. <laughs> and she's like, just like, hey, girl, you know, uh, you're out here. You're doing it. This is hard, right? And I can't speak at this point. So I'm just <laughs> nodding. And um, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, great. Well, you're doing a great job. It's clear. It's clear to me that you want to be out here. Keep going. And then she runs away. And I'm like, what? What? Did she? What? She didn't yell at me. Um, okay. And she let me stay on the team. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, all right. And so the next morning, next morning, I get up six o'clock in the morning, roll down from my dorm onto that field, and I do those five lap, the five laps around the field. And it was this really incredible, uh, incredibly difficult, hard thing, but I knew it was going to eventually help me become a better athlete because it was there was so much, much running. And it just became the way that I started my day. Um, and I liked it. I was like, what? I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know um, who I am. Yeah. <laughs> And so and it, it made me a better athlete. It made me faster. It made me fitter. Um, I was able to like withstand the two and a half to three hour um, practices and games. And it was just a, and, it, and it just made me feel so good. Uh, not necessarily in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> right. Always afterwards, I always I always felt better. And so that's how I started running in 1989. Yeah. Um, and there was really only a three and a half hour, three and a half year uh, period where I wasn't running, but that's when all my health issues started. Um, but yeah, so like I've been running since 1989. So, okay, let me ask you a question that wasn't on the list of questions I sent you. But so if you've been running since 1989, how come I just saw your face a couple years ago? Like what happened? What happened? Why did because I feel like all of a sudden you were everywhere and it was super odd. Like I was like, this is amazing. But how did that happen? <laughs> how did you become, um, it feels so like you became famous overnight. how this happen? I want to know. Ask so, me for a friend. So it definitely wasn't, was not an overnight <laughs> thing, but, um, so, okay. So 2008, I had this health scare. Um, uh, and I, well, I thought I was having a heart attack and this was like during that three and a half, year period where I wasn't running and okay. I had relo relocated to Maryland. And then I went to New Jersey cause I thought Maryland was too far South. I'm from New York, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, geography, Maryland is like two States mm -hmm. <laughs> away from New York. Um, and then, you know, so I, I, it was a very stressful existence, very stressful job. Uh, my kid was pretty young. Um, and he was always sick, which meant I was always sick, which meant I was always missing school. He was always missing school. It was like, it was like a whirlwind of high, high stress and anxiety. And you know what happens to your body when you have a lot of stress and anxiety, there's a lot of cortisol, there's gain, weight gain, there's this, there's that. I had like all these like things kept popping up when I had been very, very healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, up until then. and then, um, so I'm driving from, <laughs> Uh, one of my gigs on the weekends, one weekend have chest pains in the left side of my chest, think I'm having a heart attack. It turns out that I was having a panic attack, but I followed up with a cardiologist anyway. And, and he told me I was going to die if I didn't change my lifestyle. So, and 
and the and what he meant was that I needed to stop working so much yeah. and I needed to sleep because I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Uh, you know, also lose 15 pounds. You know, back then I was like over 300 pounds. He was like, I just need you to lose 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. Um, so that's that. I mean, I tell that kind of jokingly now, but it was it was a very, very uh, traumatic and cathartic I'm experience. Sure. And um but the next day I, you know, got on my treadmill because mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a treadmill at home and, um, and I started running again. I started like meaningful movement again. Uh, and I knew it was going to take a long time to get back to where, you know, I could run a mile again without stopping and without being in pain, with like emotional and physical pain. Yeah. Um, and so that continued. I did 5Ks, 10Ks, uh, eventually signed up for a full marathon. And that's when I started my blog, Fat Girl Running. So that was a thing that got noticed by Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2015, you know, after I'd been writing it, you know, on and off for a couple of years, you know, telling stories about, you know, all the shit that people would say to me, (laughs) you know, like just go on a diet. Um, like how much, how much weight are you trying to lose? I'm like, I'm just running because it's good for my body Mm -hmm. and I like it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it makes it makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were also like really awesome things that people would say, oh, you know, like I didn't even know that you know, people who are fat could run or like that I could run in the body that I have. And, and so I told those stories. Um, and then Wall Street Journal said, hey, we'd love to um, tell your story about, you know, how, you know, you can still work out and do fitness without trying it, w- without it being a weight loss yeah. thing, you know, and actually I had lost weight already. And I, you know, like that was just part of what I, you know, working out for five hours a day, which I don't, I don't um, recommend that, but I was like, was really serious. I was like, I have to get back to like optimum health. And so I like worked out for like five hours a day, like two hours in the morning, an hour for lunch. And then it was, it was crazy, but you know, it felt good. It yeah. felt good for me. It brought me to where I needed to be physically. Um, again, if you, if you can't do that, don't do that. So don't like, don't try to sue me and whatnot. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, cause you know, people are, yep. you know, yep. people are, yes. Anyway, so, um, Myrna said, <laughs> <laughs> you, start, you start seeing your name pop up in Twitter on those, uh, like the Google alerts and you're like, I fucking didn't say that. Now I gotta go respond to some shit on Reddit. Damn it, you Seriously. You know, um, yeah. So, um, so, you know, that's what I did. And, um, and then I started this blog. So, so, I mean, I already told you that, yeah. but, um, so yeah, so we did that. The wall street journal thing came out and then a couple of weeks later, runner's world contacts me mm. and, uh, Hey, we want to feature you. And I'm like, what, wait, what? <laughs> I, you know, I'm fat, right? Like, <laughs> And they're like, that's why, you know, we want to show, you know, that you can, you can still exercise and you can still be a runner and you can do all those things and, you know, and be in the body you're in. And, and so that was a 12 page feature. Um, And, you know, I didn't count. It was my mom that counted. Um, And she actually like literally bought all the runner's world magazines in port authority and in penn station when it came out like i'm not i kid you not <laughs> like mom i want other people to read it please yeah <laughs> she's like this is my daughter she'd be on the subway oh so i like this picture of you here look at this one don't you like this i'm like mom stop <laughs> um so so yeah, there was that. And then there, you know, NBC Nightly News came next, CNN, CW. And then it was just like the story. And I was like, I didn't, 
why why is this a story? I just I'm a person that likes to work out. I like to go to the gym. I like to run. It makes me feel good. Um I haven't lost a whole lot of weight. Actually, I did lose. I lost 70 pounds, mm -hmm. right? But that was in 2009 to 2011 or something like that. Um not because I was on a diet or anything, yeah. you know. Um but you know, that was just a virtue of like working out for 5 hours a day. But anyway, um but I yeah, and so like the people just kept being interested and there's a there's still a whole community that is still seeing me for the first time yeah. and saying, "Oh, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Oh, she's a runner? Wow. Like I I want to try that." And um so that's been really cool. It's been, you know, like it's been since 2015 and it's 2021. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let me ask you this. So one of the things like I've always felt like when, when I started Coalition Snow, so we started Coalition back in 2014 and um, women were not popular. Like we weren't like, it wasn't this thing, no hashtag lady boss or this, that, like all of these sort of um, this conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion wasn't something that was happening at, you know, at, at large in the corporate world or in the outdoors at all. Um, so what happened? Like, why do you think Wall Street Journal picked up on the story? Like, what, what, what sort of shift in society or who was the person at the Wall Street Journal? Like, what happened for all of a sudden for you to become, um, you know, air quotes relevant enough to where they would want to feature you? Because for so long, you wouldn't have been, you would you wouldn't be somebody mm -hmm. who you would ever see in a magazine, right? Yeah. right? So, oh, yeah. so it's, it's what happened? Right. Do you know, have, have you ever thought about that? You know, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I don't, I don't actually know, but, um, uh, I, I will say that actually before the wall street journal lady, Rachel, Rachel Bachman is her name. Um, who's, uh, she's an incredible reporter uh, and writer. Um, before that, I had actually been contacted by the Today Show, mm. um, they, and who wrote me on my blog, and they were like, "Oh, we we'd love to interview about marathoning," <laughs> and I didn't see it because I never checked my comments because you know people don't really comment on my blog, and so when I saw it like three weeks later, I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, that's so cool." Um, but but I think that I I had been building, I personally had been building up a. a a repertoire of writing and you know that and I would sometimes write for a trail and ultra running mm -hmm. uh when they had their website and I would do a lot of reviews uh and they were really invested in like having different kinds of people you know review the shoes or mm -hmm. the clothing uh you know oh here's oh we have we have this one uh vendor who is uh who has plus size stuff you want to try that and so so it was like building up this like whole cadre of of items and 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 writing and reviews and stuff like that for me. And then, but I also think you know there's a there was a shift in culture where um, suddenly just like different people became relevant because people are more aware. And I'm not going to say woke because people who think they're woke are not really woke. People who say that they're woke are not woke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I think there was a, a, a general shift and, and also like, hello, bottom line, right? Right. Uh, bottom line is very, you know, the more diverse your 
consumer and customer base is, the better your bottom line is. You know, the more demographics you can hit, the better your bottom line. And like people who are plus size are what? What are we? What's that? Sixty six percent of the something crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, two thirds of of in the United States of the of the population, right? Of of the female population. Of anyway, women, yeah, anyway. are like over uh, right. wear oversized sixteen. 16 or yeah, exactly. And um, I'm over here in my 18, 20, right? And like, I have money. Yeah, I want, I want good quality clothing. I want shoes that fit me. Mm -hmm. I wanna, I wanna go to races where you know I can participate. Yeah. In. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to do that too. Yeah. But it's it's hard to make that leap when you don't see yourself represented. Right. It's mm -hmm. hard to to say, oh, I want to go do a trail race. Me, I'm going to do it anyway, because that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, but I know other people don't have that same sense of entitlement. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, rock climbing. I'm going to try that. <laughs> Skiing. I'm going to try that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and um but, you know, like, I think, you know, seeing people like me and, and, and like, or, or Jessamine Stanley or uh, Roz Mays, who's a pole dancer, but she's a phenomenal, not but, and she's a phenomenal um, uh, personal trainer and a comedian as well. You know, seeing people like just normalizing, seeing big people doing things. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, and in positive ways um, and not, you know, reiterating this the narrative that fat people are, are slovenly, I love that word, <laughs> slovenly, uh, lazy, yeah. um, not intelligent, because those are all of mm -hmm. the, those are all of the qualities uh, that have been assigned to, to fat people. And, or, you know, they're, we're definitely not athletic. We are, uh, you know, we're dumb, as I said, not intelligent. Uh, we don't have any ambition, all of that. And all of that actually comes from white supremacy. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, uh, when they were trying to make a distinction between who the good people were and who the bad people were. And that yeah. was a, those, those, those adjectives were attributed to black people. Yes. Right. And so are people who are, <laughs> who are not in the upper echelons of the hierarchy, yeah. you know, so black people or women or, um, or fat people. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. And so like, I think that when, when companies realize that, you know, Hey, you know, our bottom line matters, <laughs> but you know, you have that, but you also have the, you know, consumers, uh, your, our customers are very savvy right now. Yes. You know, they want to partner with companies that uh, are inclusive or that work are, or are that are working on their inclusivity um, that have a mission Right, that uh, and that are accountable to uh, their their customer base, and so um, I think all of that is changing for for the good. You know, like money is power, and also knowledge is power. So, right. um, and if you're not on the wagon now, it's just going to be really hard to get on. Uh, and there are lots of companies that still don't give a crap about mm -hmm. you know making. Uh, things accessible for the disabled community, making sure that they have um, uh, representation of all types of people from all over the human spectrum in their advertising and marketing materials, you know, and not just showing like hiring models right. <laughs> for their Instagram stuff, 
for their, you know, outward face and stuff. But, you know, also like the fact that companies are doing stuff internally is really important. So like, it's a really good shift that uh, I am so glad to have been privy to and to have been a part of. Um, and I also have skills. I mean, I'm in a diversity practitioner, right? So like, I also bring that to the table. And so I think that has also been um, part of my <laughs> rise to fame. That's all I'm gonna say. Yes. <laughs> I am certainly very happy that you have risen to fame because I think you make the outdoors much like it's just more fun with you around. Like it's um, yeah, there's just that you to me, you've always sort of exuded this joy, like joy in the way you recreate and joy in your body. And I think that that's such a big piece that's been missing from snow sports that I mean, those of us who ski and snowboard know how fun it is like powder days are like. I don't know, orgasm powder day. It's hard to choose which one you would actually want. Like it's so, it's so good. But the narrative is like sending, like go send and jump off cliffs and like be aggressive. And, and, and I feel like it's super important to just talk about having fun and everybody, everybody knows how to have like every, anyone can have fun. If that's the goal is to just have fun. All of this becomes so much easier to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I agree 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I also, yeah, I think that's an, in many, um, in many uh, areas of the outdoor industry, I think people are realizing that like we can have these aspirational, uh, aspects to sports, right? Um, you know, people who push the limits and really show us um, the awesomeness of human potential. I think that's very, very important, but that's all we've seen, mm -hmm. right? So that leaves out a whole community of regular people. We have most of us. <laughs> that most of us. Right, you know? Yeah. yeah, most of us, you know? Like, I, I told my, um, actually, I told the the reporter from uh, Vermont Ski and Ride, I was like, look, I don't care if I'm stuck on a bunny slope. I, I find so much joy and happiness. I am obviously going to move beyond that, but, um, but like, I just find so much joy and happiness, just like turning and like feeling the snow under the skis and, you know, feeling the air go up my nose and like feeling the slight burn from the snow. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> on my face, the reflection of the sun. Right. Yeah. You know, but that's a thing. Right. And, um, and, you know, but that that makes me so happy. Right. And if I can continue to have those like joy inducing experiences, even though I'm at a low level, um, you know, as far as skill is concerned, I want to keep doing that. I don't need to I don't need to do double black diamonds. I don't you know, maybe one day, but I don't I don't need that. I don't I don't need to do fancy tricks. Um, I I don't want that. Yeah. Um, I like looking at people doing those things and I like, you know, admiring uh, their skill and, and, uh, and power, but and I don't need to do that. Um, I just need to be on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be inside, right? Is that, so do you think that's sort of your key to how, like, you're just, your, your willingness and your desire to try all these new sports. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're 45, I'm 43. I know how difficult it is to think about doing something for the first time. Like for me, it's intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, but you've been mm -hmm. embracing it from, um, you know, cycling and now you're, you're, you're skiing. So what's your, like, what motivates you to keep trying these new 
things and how how do you find that encouragement? Because I feel like it's it's hard. It is oh, it's hard. It's it's so difficult and it's very intimidating. Yeah. Um which is, you know, and, and I told you, at the, you know, before we started recording that, yeah, I asked for an instructor that was older than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly because I wanted them to know, you know, what it's like to be in an older body. But like, also, like, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to be intimidated by like a 20 year old <laughs> and their skills. Yeah. Right. So, um, so yeah, it definitely is intimidating. It's very challenging on a mental and emotional and physical level. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I actually, I, I get a lot out of living on the edge of fear or living, mm-hmm. just living, you know, like living with fear that I have, that I have a lot of fear uh, of lots of things. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a chapter in my book um, a, that's completely, it's a whole chapter on my fear of thunder. Right. Hmm. And it, oh yeah, a okay. whole chapter. Okay. I'm I'm a 45 year old woman who <laughs> hates thunder. Fucking hates. I hate it. Right. But you know, but I'm an I'm an outdoors person. So like, I'm gonna be running, and there's gonna be a thunderstorm, and there have been several, and I get really scared. But I have to contend with that fear. I have to acknowledge it. I know that there's fear, but I know I can't stay in the same place or get struck by lightning. You know, uh, I know I have to keep moving. Right. And that's that's kind of like a euphemism for everything. Like, I know that there's a storm. I know that there's potential that I'm going to get struck by lightning. It's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, But I'm still a human being. I'm still like, you know, I know that I I, I, I'm a little bit feral. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And, you know, and that that fear actually makes me feel that that motivates me. Right. It's it's like when you go in like expecting yourself to have some fear and and being okay with the fact that you are going to have fear and there's some trepidation and, uh, you know, you're going to look like an idiot and, you know, you're going to fall and, you know, you have to get yourself up because the instructor's not going to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those are all skills. Those are all like those are skills that are transferable to life. Yeah. Right. Um, Being afraid of something, knowing that you're going to fall and you, you have to figure out a way to get yourself up. Uh, knowing that, you know, you're not going to look like somebody who's been skiing all their lives. Right. Yeah. Knowing that, um, you're going to feel like an idiot. (laughs) Okay. It's okay. You know, I think it makes, it makes your brain grow and there's, you know, like you're building new neural pathways and stuff every time you learn stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's Myrna science. I <laughs> and um, uh, I think it's true. I think I read that somewhere. Anyway. So <clears throat> yeah. And it, again, it is, it is, it is hard. Like I, when, you know, when I got into cycling this summer, it was more this past summer was because I was, um, I was injured. <laughs> it's an injured runner and I needed, what was motivating me was I needed to move and I yeah. needed to not continue spiraling into depression and anxiety because I couldn't run. Yeah. And so I had to find something else and it was very scary. And I, you know, and because it was scary, I was like, I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm going to hire a coach, uh-huh. um, teach me everything. And I did, I hired my friend Max, uh, who, who wasn't my friend before. Cause I didn't know him, but like now I do. And like, and it's been like the most joyous friendship and instructor, you know, Max is a teacher at the, the elementary school and, um, and is such a good educator. 
You know, like we'll be doing something and I'll do something stupid on the bike and he'll just be like, they'll just say, you know, you might want to, you know, move your foot in a little bit, you know, and just like continue on the conversation. And, and it's just such a great thing. And, you know, it's the same with my, my ski in- instructor um, at Bolton mm-hmm. uh, guy. He's really, really incredible. We'll be talking because I can talk a blue streak, as you can see. And, <laughs> and, and then like, and then he'll get something in there edgewise, mm-hmm. you know, do some you know, talk about some technique or, you know, being light on my inside foot and, you know, when I'm turning and, um, and yeah, then it's just been like super incredible. And a lot of, a lot of like, you can get a new, new community of friends. You, again, you learn new skills that are transferable to your real life. And it is just, when you learn something, when you get it, like you're like, oh wow, this is so cool. When that light bulb goes off, it is like the coolest thing. And then to top it off, you're outside. <laughs> right. Bonus. In a beautiful space. So mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> this morning I was having a conversation with Lauren, who's my work wife at Coalition Snow, and she's the mm-hmm. illustrator behind the the most of our graphics for Coalition mm-hmm. skis um, and boards. And so you're on. And, and, and she said, she's like, yeah, Myrna is skiing on the Rebel. And what a perfect, like, ski mod, like, the name, like, Myrna's on, on the Rebel. And I was like, oh, I've never thought about that. Because when I was thinking about getting you set up with skis, I was just like, what is the best ski that we have for somebody who is learning to ski on the East Coast? And I was like, it's this ski. Like, the name of the ski didn't really cross my mind. And then Lauren pointed out this this morning, like, yeah, Myrna's on the Rebel. Like, could we, like what a perfect name of a ski. And so I, I wanted to ask you, like, do you see yourself as a, as a rebel, like a rebel in the outdoors, a rebel in life? Like, have, have you, because you don't really fit in the box all that well. Um, and so I'm just curious how, how, if, if you see yourself. I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of the, um, what is it? Is it the four tendencies? And I think rebel is one of them. And I have, and I've gone through all the little, little tests in the book uh-huh. <laughs> and I have like, I'm half rebel and, and then, and half questioner. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that actually makes a lot of sense. Right. I question everything. I question um, the legitimacy <laughs> of people's decisions and, and why we do things, uh, why we have traditions and why we have, um, certain standards and protocols. I question all of that. I might not say that, you know, uh, out loud, but I question it all the time. And, uh, and so like, if I feel like something's not right, I'm just going to go out and do what I think is right. And uh, if that's being a, a rebel, then I'm a fucking rebel. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. But if, you know, but, but I think they go hand in hand. Like I, um, I don't want to accept the status quo. Yeah. Because you know we don't we don't progress that way, um, so so I'm just gonna do what I do. I think uh, one of the things I said when I was being interviewed for National Geographic, I was like, well, you know, I stick my big ass <laughs> into places where people think I don't belong, yeah. and it's not necessarily because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go shake shit up, right? Um, that's not necessarily what I'm thinking. I just I'm just going to go there because I think I belong there. Like right. I feel, I feel entitled to be in a space where maybe people don't think I belong. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to do it. Um, and so, and I, and it actually does shake shit up, but I don't go in with like, 
oh, like, let me go stir the pot. <laughs> That's just, I mean, it's just kind of like the fabric of who I am. Yeah. And you've always been, been that way. Uh, I, yeah, I've always made my own decisions, mm-hmm. <laughs> even as a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, that is why my son is the way he is. Yes. He makes his own decisions as well. Yep. It's, it's funny how <laughs> children look at their parents and learn from them and maybe um, become, become their parents a little bit. Hmm? Yes. Yes, he definitely, that he's definitely me. <laughs> Just so that, okay, I had to say, all of you listening right now don't get to see that Myrna and I are looking at it. We're actually on a video call and Myrna's like leaning her head over her shoulder, like given the look to clip, like I don't see her son, but he's in, he's near and she's given him this look right now. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he makes his own decisions. I see you. I hope you hear me say that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you about, and, and you mentioned this at, at the um, beginning of our, of our call is that, um, you know, you're, you, you do many things being, being an athlete is, is one um, being an educator is another, and, and you're also an author and a public speaker. And I was curious, what are, what are some of your, what are some of the topics that you really enjoy talking about right now or writing about? Like what, what gets you fired up to either write or, or, or speak currently? Um, yeah, well, well, I started my speaking career just telling my story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so much so that I have like the five minute version, the 15, the 55 minute, the hour and a half. <laughs> but I always use my story to frame different things. Like, you know, so if I'm talking about um, body image, uh, I don't use the term body positivity because mm-hmm. um, that's been diluted, and, yeah. uh, misused. Um, I, um, I love talking about one thing. Wait, actually, one thing that I've been talking about a lot is um, awe and wonder Mm. and how experiences of awe and wonder in outdoor spaces help create community and Mm. help make people more generous. And that is actually science-backed. So I've been speaking about that a lot. Um, I have been speaking about, um, like actually tomorrow I'm giving a, uh, a webinar on, um, for race directors, for trail race directors on um, how to make their events more accessible and equitable, mm-hmm. right? And so like, I love talking about that stuff because it, it, you know, it's a convergence of like almost everything that I love to do, like as a person who is a trail runner, as a person who is a diversity practitioner, um, you know, that's, and as a speaker mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and a teacher, Right. I get to I get to utilize my uh, educator skills. I get to use my speaking skills. I get to use my my personal experiences as a trail runner, you know, um, to to help spread the word and to create a a ripple. You know, I'm not I'm not going to change the world drastically, but somebody's going to hear something Mm -hmm. that applies to them and they're going to change their behavior. And so that's that's why I do that work. And so that 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 really excites me. Um, I love working uh, with actually primarily white audiences so that I don't want to have um, 
I don't want to have to, you know, uh, have people of color re-traumatize themselves over and over again yeah. by telling their own stories. Um, and so like I use myself <laughs> and, uh, and I get paid. Yeah. So, um, so, and then I, then I can go to therapy. <laughs> um, you know, but, but yeah, like I love, I love doing that work. I've, I've actually grown up in mostly uh, predominantly white spaces. Uh, even though I grew up in Brooklyn, I was in an Italian neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, and then, uh, you know, I went to like all white schools. <laughs> and so, um, so, and, and I know that that is a community that uh, needs to be doing the work of, of anti-racism, of diversity, of equity, of, of inclusion. I mean, we all do, but like mostly it's on you white people. 100%. So um, but I love, I love doing that because, you know, I, um, I want to bring people to the work. I want to get them excited. I want them to, you know, obviously be thinking it's, it's really tough stuff, but I, I like to approach that work with a sense of joy because everybody deserves joy. Yeah. Right. And the more that we can create, uh, our world around that concept, I think the better it will be. Mm-hmm. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really interesting to sort of watch this conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion unfold, over the last few years. And I know that I've certainly learned a lot um, and been trying to do, you know, just trying to be a part of making positive change in, in the industry. Um, Knowing that also like this, like most of the people probably listening to this podcast are white and they're women. Do you have one thing you Mm -hmm. want to say to white women that they might, might need to hear for a minute? How much time we got? How much time we got? I mean, we have a call in a couple of minutes, but I um, mean, <laughs> um, you know what? It was, it was, I, I literally just, as I was driving back home from the lovely A-frame house where I was staying last night, mm-hmm. um, I finished uh, Ijoma Aluo's book, so you want to talk about race mm-hmm. and the last chapter, I'm just going to say um, to my white friends, read the last chapter. If you don't read anything in that book, you should read the entire book anyway. Um, but if you don't read anything in that book, read the last chapter of, so you want to talk about race because it like gives you pointers and like it, um, it, uh, it really stresses the, the idea uh, and the necessity of listening, legitimizing, um, acknowledging, uh, not centering yourself when you, when we're talking, especially when we're talking about race and ethnicity. I know, you know, as uh, people who identify as women, we have our own things that we, uh, you know, we have been discriminated against. We have suffered from prejudice, but there's nothing like being a black woman <laughs> or being a black man. Um, we don't we don't benefit from white privilege yeah. ever. So. Um, so, you know, acknowledging uh, privilege and advantage uh, and racial disadvantage uh, is, is, you know, the key to really, really doing the work. If you, if you are going to call yourself woke or an ally, um, which you shouldn't do, <laughs> uh, you need to be doing the work all the time. Yeah. Right. Whether it's, whether it's reading, whether it's educating yourself. Um, whether it's speaking up and speaking out, um, you know, there are all these oh, there are all these things that you can be doing um, to 
further where we are on this uh, so-called arc of justice. I don't even mm. think we're on the arc of justice yet. Um, but if we want to get on, we got Everybody has to work. Everybody, and it's hard, you know. And it, you know, it takes a lot of of energy and effort to not do and say the things that we've always done and said. Mm-hmm. Right? It takes effort to change our behaviors and to change our attitudes. But in order to do that, we need knowledge, and we also as I said, have to legitimize the lived experiences of people of color, um, which is not something that we're good at. No. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I got, I, I have four and a half hours worth of stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that I could say. Uh, you can sign up for my class. Anyway, so. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so like there, there, I would definitely read uh, the last chapter of that book and, uh, and just, you know, do some soul searching. Mm-hmm. Where have you participated in um, in harmful stereotypes? Yeah. In racist ad- attitudes? Like nobody wants to be racist. Nobody wants to be called racist. Nobody wants to be called sexist or, or ageist or ableist. You know, but we have all participated in those things. Like unknowingly, knowingly. Um, and the more we know, the better we're able to stop and disrupt those things in their tracks. Yeah. Well... If people wanted to learn more from you specifically about about this, where could they find information about your workshops or your book or you? Where where should people go right right now? Well, so the funny thing is, I don't even advertise. So I have this four and a half hour um, anti racism introduction to social justice, identity, and anti racism course, but I don't even advertise it on my website because I am I'm actually like I've been like doing it full time. <laughs> I don't even have to advertise. Sweet. But so um, I will be putting together a public course because I've been doing, just doing it for companies okay. um, for the last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, but I will put put out a public course and that will appear on my website in a, probably in the next two weeks, okay. three weeks, maybe. Um because people have been asking, and I think uh, this is a perfect time. You know, we, we still are in a somewhat slowed down state. Um, many people are still working from home and have some flexibility. I, I get that not everybody does. Um, but um, yeah, and so like I do it online, and it's, I again, as I really do try to approach it in a joyful manner. Um, we have a playlist <laughs> that we do. There's a lot of interactive work. There's a lot of um, just stuff where you have to work and you, um, um, but the, the, the end goal is to just, to be a better person, <laughs> to be a more knowledgeable person, right. To actually stop work, to stop, uh, the injustices. And so, uh, I mean, I'm on Instagram, I'm on, um, I'm at, you know, the at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, but don't hit me up on Facebook. Cause that's like mostly family. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and their craziness. Um, no, it is. <laughs> uh, and I'm also on Twitter at The Murnivator. Everything is The Murnivator. Yeah. So, um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to, uh, and if you're interested in um, having me speak or whatever, um, yeah, my um, my people will get back to you. Mm, your people, <laughs> fantastic. Well, Myrna, you, I have one more question. I have one more question for you and then I'm gonna let you go because you've been so gracious with your, with your time here. Um, What's something that you wish that today's Myrna, like, could have told Myrna 10 years ago or 20 years ago? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? 
Oh man. Um, I, there's so many, you know, I was a really happy kid. Like, I, um, or like 10, what, 10 years ago, you said, oh, 10 years ago. I wasn't a kid 10 years ago. I was 35, <laughs> basically a kid. Um, you know, actually, so for, uh, wait, 10 years old or 10 years ago, 10, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Like what, what oh. do you wish you could have Let's your go. younger self? Knew, Let's go you with know, now. 10 years ago. Um, to take, I would definitely say take better care of myself. Mm. I mean, um, I was really good at my job. I was, I was really good at my job. I wasn't so good at the job of keeping myself healthy and well in, in all aspects of those things, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically. Um, and I wish, but I also wish, you know, there had been better resources. There weren't enough resources for... Uh, me as a woman uh, with a family uh, with a 24 seven job, you know, there, there aren't there. I, I think there still aren't those things, but like, if I could look back and be like, you know, tell myself, uh, give myself some advice. It would be to not to say no. It'd be to say no, to say no to things that uh, weren't for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that that's is not an easy one. That's yeah. not an easy yeah. one. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna practice that. I actually said no to two things last week, and I was like, "Fucking crushing, Gorecki. Two no's in one week. Like it's hard." One. You know what? I my thing is like say no to one thing a day. Okay. It could be a small thing. My I'm sorry. My New York just came out. My, it could be a small thing. <laughs> <laughs> It could be a big thing. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want. It could be, you know, what. But, you know, like, uh, and and it is, it's scary because you're like, oh, what if I never have that opportunity again? Yeah. Um, you know, I had to say no to some pretty fucking big companies. Uh, and I'm like, what if I never, but it's the soon, as soon as I say no, something else comes that I really want to do that really is for me. Yeah. Um, so you open up space to say yes to the important things. Awesome. Well, and with that, I'm going to let you fucking go right now to open it up for all the other things you have to do today. Um, all right, Myrna, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to be able to talk with you and, and work with you. And I'm, I'm so excited to keep following your journey of learning how to ski, which I have to tell you, your Instagram brings me so much joy watching you learn to ski. Like I just, I feel like I'm like yelling in my house and I'm on Slack with the coalition team and everyone's like, fuck yeah, Myrna. Woo. Like, so you have like a huge community of people who are just cheering you on and so pumped. It's so fun to watch you ski. Um, and just, yeah, it brings me incredible joy. So thank you so much. And uh, I can't wait to see what's next for you. Right. Well, I just want to also want to say thank you for just like allowing me to be a fool uh, on your skis because <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> it's a license to fool around and it's amazing. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, everyone. So you know where to go follow Myrna. There's so much fun happening there. Stay tuned for her website update to be able to learn about these courses for the general public. And um, yeah, Myrna, we'll catch you on the slopes.
All right. Okay. See you later. <laughs> sure.